Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. I'm going to share four phrases with you, and you can just nod your head if you've ever said these. Why does everything always seem to happen at once? Why does one thing happen after another? If one more thing goes wrong, I don't know how I'm going to take it. How much more can I take? You ever said any of those? How many said those this week? I did, yeah, this week alone. Well, we're going to pick up the story of David today, uh, all the way jumping to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. It's our, it's our key verse, and you have it up there for you. Uh, and it says this, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him, but, what? What's it say? But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now, let's go backwards a little bit in this story so we can see why he was at the point that he was at. Uh, he had already been anointed king. He was an overlooked teenager, if you remember. They didn't even consider him worthy to be associated with the other brothers as Samuel came to their village and came to their home. He could play the harp and sing, and so he served in King Saul's court. He killed Goliath by this point. King Saul, who was rejected by God because he had rejected God, had this extreme jealousy towards David and had already tried to kill him. And now David was fleeing Saul as king and all of Saul's power and might as the king of this nation. David had men with him who traveled with him and, and fought with him. They were a bit of a ragtag group of, of fierce fighters. David, along the way, uh, as all of us do, he made some good decisions and he made some bad decisions. He had lied. He showed a lack of faith by living with the Philistines. That's kind of where the story is now. Uh, and he put his trust in the Philistines and instead of God, and let's not look too, too much down at David because we've probably all done that in our lives, but it was during his stay uh, in Philistine territory that we pick up this story. So let's go backwards now to verse 1. First uh, Samuel 30, verse 1. Three days later when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and, and Ziklag. And they had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. Have you ever been there? Yeah. David's two wives, uh, Ahinoam, Ahinoam, Sarah, what would you, how would you say that? Ohinoam, she's much better at this stuff than I am. She went to Bible school too, but she paid attention 
That's the difference. She paid attention and she, she learned things there. My, my education has come through making mistakes along the way. But Ahinoam uh, from Jezreel and Abigail. How's that? Was that right? I got that one. Okay, good. I must have been awake for that one. The widow of Nabal from Carmel were among those captured, okay? So they were, went, they were sent back to their town. I'm not going to get into all that. Uh, but while they were gone, the Amalekites came in and just destroyed everything. Destruction, devastation, disaster at every turn. And that's where we get to verse 6. That's the context of it. The men had lost their wives, families, everything they had had been burned to the ground. I mean, can you imagine? When I was a youth pastor, uh, someone set our church offices on fire, and we had a, like a suite, an office suite with an outer office, and then each of our pastor's offices attached, and they started in the outer office and went to mine, and then to the pastors and everything. You can tell they went to mine first because my office had more damage than the other. And that's neither here nor there. But if you go into my office and you see all these books, a lot of them I bought because of the fire uh, in that. So that's the story behind it. Something good came out of it. That'll be a sermon another time. Um, but I remember I was living near the associate pastor, and he came to my apartment. I wasn't married at the time. And he woke me up, and he said, the church is on fire. We have to go. And I remember, this was in Flemington, New Jersey, driving up on Route 202, if any of you know where that's at. And the church is on the right-hand side from the Flemington town and looking and seeing all the fire trucks and all the smoke, and something just hits. I don't know if you've experienced that or not, but it's, it's a terrible thing. And I remember just being in tears over it uh, for a lot of different reasons, that, that someone would choose to do this. To, I, I don't know. It was a very emotional time. I remember calling Dory's house. Again, we weren't married. She was living at home with her parents, and her mom answered. Do you remember that somewhat? You remember the church burning, but you don't remember that I called. I called Dory. I don't know if we were engaged. I don't know the whole history behind it. But to see that devastation, even in my life, and there was no loss of life or anything like that, imagine what they were thinking. Because they also didn't know that any of their wives or children were still alive. They literally thought that they lost everything. And so the men grew very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. Can I just throw a little joke in there? It doesn't say anything about losing their wives, but they were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. Can I throw that? No? Is that inappropriate? Bad timing? Duh. Can I use that some other time in a better setting? There's not a better time? So any the, anyway... Anyway, they were, they were angry and bitter, and they were thinking of stoning David because think of it in the, from their perspective. Why are we even following this guy? What have we gained from following him? Nothing. We've lived in caves, and now we've lost everything. And so David was their leader, and they were looking to him as the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, all of their problems were because of him. And these were some fierce people, and they said, we should just stone him and, and be done with it. And be done with it. Let's just stone them and let's start life over without David. And David was afraid. 
And he was overwhelmed by everything because remember, he lost as well. And so what did he do? Now, this is the key. What did he do when he felt overwhelmed? He found strength in the Lord. Found strength in the Lord. David was the leader. Uh, the piling on had a different effect on his, or had a direct effect on his ability to lead these men that were volunteering. I'm going to speak to leaders a little bit uh, today. Uh, leading volunteers is different than leading paid employees. Volunteers don't have to do it. They choose to do it. And when you lead volunteers, you lead through influence and not through paycheck. Now, even if you're a boss and you lead through paycheck, hopefully you will gain influence and lead that way and not just positional leadership, which is a teaching for another time. But volunteers you lead differently because none of them have to be there. And so David was their leader, and he was feeling the effects of this. And not just whether they were going to stone him, but here he was being pursued by the most powerful man at the time, by the armies of Israel. What was he going to do without these men if they turned on him? It was a very difficult setting. So he's mourning his own loss, and he's concerned about his own life. And even if they didn't kill him, what was going to happen down the road? He was going to be an easy target for King Saul. Several years ago, uh, our church went through a terrible and tragic staffing issue, of which I won't go through the details of it at this time, but if you were here, you remember it. And I remember calling a special board meeting, and we got together and uh, talked about what we were going to do about this. And the, the men and women on the board at the time were just invaluable in their wisdom and what to do. And so we formulated a plan, and we... Uh, carried, carried out that plan, but part of the plan was to have a church membership meeting before the news, or no, let me go backwards. Part of the plan was to inform the church membership before it hit the newspapers so that the newspapers wouldn't be the first place that people heard, heard about it uh, because then, you know, that would have been a disaster. Because then you couldn't contain what was going to happen. And so we developed this plan and the wording and the board members made the phone calls and invited our members to discuss the, um, I forget the wording, the, the, the departure or the, the firing because ultimately that's what it was of a staff member. So they already knew what the meeting was about. Okay, anyway. Well, I look out my door and people are piling into the church. And here's a little trick if you ever pastor your own church. If everything's going fine, no one wants to come to the board meeting but, or business meeting. But if something's wrong, everyone will come to the business meeting. That's just how it works. I remember uh, through the years, and we just do things different now, but through the years, people will be like, oh, nobody comes to the business meetings. I said, thank God, because believe me, if there was a problem, they would all be here. So people were just piling in, and I didn't come early because it wasn't a chit-chat moment. And I, I was getting ready at the house. I saw people coming in that would never come to a meeting other than that. Some people that if we had a meeting at their house, they wouldn't come, but they were coming to that meeting. And I uh, went in the room, in the bedroom, and I'm getting dressed. 
and I was just overwhelmed by everything, and I, I sensed the Lord speaking to my heart. And this is really what I sensed him saying uh, almost word for, for word. Let me, let me catch it in here. Um, yeah. Uh, boy, he said, that's why you're here. Now get out there and lead. And that gave me the strength and the confidence uh, to, to go forward from, from there. Obviously, we're all here today. You know, we made it through. But when you're going through, you don't know what the future holds. And I'm just telling that story because of situations I've been in. You have your own story. When you're going through, you, you don't know what's going to happen. And the situations that we face are overwhelming to us. Because it doesn't just happen all at once. And in that situation, uh, we had let that pastor go. And they were supposed to be cooking for the missions convention that weekend. And so people were asking, where's so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? We couldn't tell them yet. Because we couldn't, we just couldn't. And, and then uh, we were getting ready to break ground on building that new part and renovating the whole church, the first building project in 35, 40 years. It was all at that time in March of whatever year that was, all coming together. You face similar situations, not as the leader of the church, but you face those situations as a leader at home or wherever it is that you lead, even if you're leading your own life, you're still impacting someone else's life. You know what it's like to feel overwhelmed. Here's the only answer Find strength in the Lord. That's the only answer. Because you're, you don't know what the circumstances hold. You don't know what's going to happen. You've got to get to Jesus. You've got to get to him and let him minister to you and take that burden from your shoulders. As I was calling out to God and crying out to God, I remember being so overwhelmed by the circumstances that I was, I was hunched over. The pressure was so overwhelming. Now, you look back on it and you think everything worked out fine. When you're in the middle of it, you don't know that. You don't know that I'm done. I'm going to have to move my family, pull them out of school, not have a home to live in. I mean, the enemy works in the midst of all of this. You don't know all of that. Overwhelmed. Afterwards, when word got out what happened, uh, a family member of one of our board members said, I knew something was going on because they were just quiet. We were all in leadership overwhelmed at that moment. Listen, the only answer in those times of being overwhelmed is to get to Jesus. And David shows us exactly what to do. Here's number one. You can write it down. Mourn. M-O-U-R-N. David mourned. He mourned his loss, but he also mourned the loss for his people. That's a real leader. He cared for those men. He cared for their wives. He cared for their children. You have to remember, they didn't live like this. They lived in a close-knit community, probably tent-ish sort of things, where they were all together. They shared meals together with family and friends, and they watched children run around, and they were all part of the same community, probably much closer-knit than we are now because of, of you know, how we live and we're separated in transportation and a million other things. He mourned. He mourned. That's such an important part when we're feeling overwhelmed is to mourn. 
And if it involves tears, then let the tears flow. Years ago, a pastor friend of mine asked me, um, you know, how did I cope with all the things that, that go on? And I said, sometimes I just cry. That's my answer. And that release just comes. Now, I hope you all know me. I'm not, you know, I don't sit around all day, you know, crying and mourning. That, that's not what it's about. But there comes a time in life where your heart is broken. And you just have to mourn. And, and what David's doing and what I'm doing uh, today and what Pastor Rick does in his ministry is says it's okay to mourn. And not only is it okay to mourn, it's necessary. Now, Pastor Rick is so great in dealing with these situations. His te- I've learned from him. And the things I'm reciting to you today, I've learned from him. And I actually called him Friday night uh, as I was working on it and ran some of these ideas by him. Pastor Rick, in part of his ministry, he writes uh, a letter, uh, Hope for the Hurting Heart, Burst of Hope. He's online on Facebook where he shares those. Um, if you're not a part of that, you need to be. My mom loves Pastor Rick. And every time she calls me in the office, she'll say, how's Pastor Rick? And my response is, I'm fine, Mom. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Make sure you tell him how much I love those letters that he sends. She keeps a notebook with, this is true. She keeps a notebook of all of those letters, and she goes back and she reads them when she needs them. She'll have, she always has people over. She always has people over. And they're, they're going through whatever. She goes, oh, Pastor Rick wrote something. Let me pull it out. And she pulls it out and gives it to them. They make copies, take it home. If you're not part of that ministry, you need to be part of that. Just see Pastor Rick at the end of that. Okay? That's not a sales pitch. That's a pastor saying, here's a resource available to you that will help you and others. Okay. Just between us, where widows and widowers gather, just to have fellowship. Not only is it good to mourn and okay to mourn, it's okay to to smile once in a while, too. That's okay, too. That's another part of that avenue of ministry he can tell you about some other other time. He's preaching on the 12th, June 12th, right, Pastor Rick? I've got something else going on that day. I can't remember what it is. (laughs) But anyway... Here's, here's some thoughts. Here's some thoughts on mourning. Everyone mourns differently, but everyone needs to mourn. Everyone mourns differently, but everyone needs to mourn. Listen, this isn't just death. This is loss of job. This is loss of, of relationship, loss of dreams, loss of all sorts of things. Uh, we all mourn differently, but everyone needs to mourn. Maybe for the guys, you're not a crier. I'm a crier. Uh, but you have to find some way to deal with these emotions because it will come out in one way or another. And you can either deal with it positively or you can deal with it negatively. Maybe you've known people in your life, they've gotten addicted to alcohol, drugs, or whatever, to deal with what? The pain of life. See, there's a positive way and a negative way to deal with things. So everyone mourns differently, but everyone needs to mourn. Mourning is not a sin. Mourning is not a lack of faith. The shortest verse in Scripture, John eleven thirty five. 35, does anybody know it? Jesus wept. Mourning is not bad. 
Not mourning is bad. It's okay. There, there's no, this is not one of the main points. There's no time limit on mourning. It just happens sometimes. And it could be years and you think, oh, why did this hit me in the grocery store? Don't know, but it did. All right. Mourning is not a sin. Mourning is normal and natural. The greater the love, the greater the grief. Number four, for believers, hold on to hope, though, because it says we mourn, but we don't mourn as those with no hope because we do have hope. And then the natural question is, well, what if we don't know? Let's say in loss, what if we don't know where that person is? Here's the answer. We leave that to God who is infinite in mercy and grace, and he will do what is right. That's it. That's part of faith as well. Well, where did my loved one, where are they? I don't know. But I know who knows, and he's full of mercy and grace, and he'll do what's right. That's all. And here's an important one. If someone asks why, point them to the who. If someone asks why, point them to the who. Look what, look what he did. This is the next point of David. So number one is mourn. Number two is he went to God. You never see David asking why. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Instead of spending all of his time, energy, and emotion on why, and he wouldn't ever find the answer, he ran to the who. And if you have situations in your life that you don't understand why, stop spending so much time on the why because you'll never know and start spending more time with the who, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can comfort you. He's the only one that can strengthen you. He's the only one as our high priest that has gone through every temptation and trial that we have. He's the only one that can fully understand because he's been through it and more. It's not about the why, it's about the who. And so David went to God. Now he did it differently than we will do it, but he said to Abathar, the priest, bring me the ephod, exclamation point. And to, to me, that means that's how they, there was communication with God, and you'd have to look that up on your own, but uh, communication with God through this, and God would give direction and, and everything. And it, it, David wept till there was no more tears and then he said I, I, I've got to get to God and he called the priest because that's how they did it now we don't have to rely on anybody else see I'm not a priest I'm a pastor see a priest is that go between you and God that's basically what a priest represents I'm a pastor I'm a pointer I'm a pointer to Jesus because the veil has been torn in two and we don't need anyone else to go to the throne room on our behalf. I'm not saying we don't want to partner. That, that's not the point. But if you're home alone, you don't have to wait for somebody else to come to your house in order for you to get to Jesus. That's the good news of the cross. See, that's the good news that when he died and the curtain was torn from, from the top to the bottom, only God can do that, that now all of us have believers have direct access to the throne room of God where we will receive mercy and grace. you got to get to God. And he's there. But he's not going to force you. But he's waiting. Get me the ephod. 
to me, I, I would say this for modern times. I got to get to God. Friends and family, well, I don't know why this happened. I don't either, but I know what I do need to do. I got to get to God. I've got to go to Jesus because no, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. He's the only one I've found so true. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, uh, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Seek, when you go to God, seek his wisdom. Ask for it. James 1.5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And he will give it to you without rebuking you. Isn't that great? If you need it, ask, and he'll give it. You've had those times. Listen, we've all lived long enough to know that we needed wisdom. And God gives it if you ask. But wait. Don't act until you hear from God. Watch this. Write this down. Don't let today's emotions destroy tomorrow's promises. Don't act on your emotions at the height of your emotions, okay? Get to God. Let God speak to your heart through his word, through the Holy Spirit, in, in, in any number of ways. Let God speak to your heart because you can, you, will, you can make an emotional decision that will destroy your tomorrow. Don't be led by your emotions. Be led by the word of God. So here's the quote. Don't let today's emotions destroy tomorrow's promises. Be careful. Be careful in those times. There are times in our life it's not decision-making time. Today's not the day I'm going to make that decision. I, I look at big decisions in, in my life. Do I have to make that decision today? And most of the time the answer is no. So why would I make a decision today? I, I'm talking about big things, not like what I'm going to eat for lunch talking about big things. If I don't have to make it today, I'm not going to make it today. And it's a good counsel for others in your life. Well, what am I going to do? Let's say you have a child of the decision-making age. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? I, I don't know. Do you have to make that decision today? And the answer is no. What are you going to do today that's going to help you tomorrow? You see? That's how we live. Don't let the emotions of today destroy tomorrow's promises. Don't just wait for a word. Wait for the word. Okay? The word. A word, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, will confirm the word. Okay? If the word of wisdom or somebody says they have a word for you, if it doesn't confirm the word, then it's not from God. And they could be well-meaning, and they could have a heart for you, but they ain't the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so be careful in all of that. Be wise. Seek wisdom. Seek out others that have wisdom. And God told him what to do. Go after him. David wasn't perfect, but he had a heart after God, and God was gracious. I'm not perfect, and you're not perfect, but I hope you have a heart after God, and when you go after him, you, you will find a God that's gracious. And all God's people said, amen to that. Number three, so I have mourn, go to God. I made up this word Friday. You can write it down. In his overwhelmedness, that's a made-up word, but I want to start using it often. Throw that out. I mean out there, not throw it out. 
in his overwhelmedness, he still looked out for others. I love this that I had never seen as many times as I've read this story. I'd never really put it in this context before. Even though he was overwhelmed, when he saw a need, he helped meet that need. And we find, I'm not going to read the whole story, they were traveling to go back to get uh, their families back, and there was an Egyptian man that needed help. And they helped him. And guess what? That Egyptian man knew where the Amalekites had taken their families. I love that. If they, had, if they were overwhelmed to the point that they weren't willing to help anybody else in need, they might not have found the answer that they were looking for. Now, let me put it to you this way. Interruption is what brought the, in, the answer. Not every interruption is a distraction from purpose. Sometimes the distraction is the purpose. Okay? Not every interruption is a distraction from purpose. Sometimes the distraction is the purpose, and you only need to think of the Good Samaritan, and that'll fit perfectly in that context. David could have said, leave that man alone. He's not one of us. He looks different. He talks different. He put himself in this situation. He didn't do any of those. He helped this man, just like the Good Samaritan. And this man said, hey, guess what? I know where they're at. The answer came when he was helping someone else. Even though even he was in a state of overwhelmedness, he looked out for others. Number four, he took back what was his. Now, this is going to be important that you listen real close here. First Sam, I'm going to read it to you. 30 Verse 16, so he led David to them. That's that guy they helped. And they found the Amalekites spread across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Judah. David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout the night and the entire next day until evening. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled on camels. David got back everything the Amalekites had taken, and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. He also recovered all the flocks and herds. His men drove them ahead of the other livestock. And what, look what happened. They went from bitterness waiting to stone him that because he stepped up to be the leader that God had called him to be, now they were saying, this plunder belongs to David. For some of you here today, he's calling you, men, women, children, it doesn't matter. He's calling you to step up and be a leader. That's what he's called you to do. You cannot shirk your responsibilities because of fear. You cannot shirk your responsibilities because of the unknown. Get to God. Let him speak to your heart. Let the power of the Holy Spirit fall upon you and get out there and lead like the man or woman of God that he has called you to be. The same men who were going to stone him now praised him. 
Now, what should we do when we're overwhelmed with the circumstances of life? Okay, watch. I'm going to just repeat the four things I already said. Number one, mourn. Number two, go to God in our brokenness. He collects your tears. You know that, right? It's okay to go before God weeping. Number three, look for God in unexpected places. You never know. You might run into a, an Egyptian man that was working with the Amalekites. You never know. And number four, have the courage to go and take back what is yours in Jesus Christ. Now, this is where you have to pay close attention, closer than you've paid. Uh, you've been great. I'm not saying that, but even get closer. Even get closer. You can't go and take your children out of their choices and out of their free will. That's not what this is talking about. This is not talking about, well, I'm going to go to my children, my grandchildren, my boss, my whoever the relationship is, and I'm just going to grab them, and I'm going to take them by the ear and bring them back. That's not what it's talking about. Because if you take somebody by force, the first opportunity they have to flee, they'll flee all over again, and they'll go further away this time than they were before. Now, you have to process that. If you take them by force, the first chance they have to get away, they'll get away and they'll go further away than they did before. That's not what this is talking about. What it's talking about, or what we're talking about, is not that physical person. What we're taking back is what Jesus Christ has given us through the cross. I'm taking peace back. I'm not going to allow other people to bring chaos into my life that cripples me from being what God wants me to be and doing what God wants me to do. I'm not going to give other people that power. Instead, I'm going to rely on the power of the cross and I'm going to live in peace that has been won for me by Jesus Christ on the cross. That I have peace with God. I have the peace of God. That's what you've got to take back. I'm not going to let my children, my grandchildren, my boss, some other relationship, I'm not going to let that situation steal my peace away from me. Because Jesus has given me peace and I'm taking it back. Because I'm not as concerned with the why as I am with the who. Joy. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, David says later. Some, for some today, and listen, there are people that are going to watch later, and it's for us now, it's for later now, with things online, I never know when someone is going to watch it, they might watch it somewhere down the road, but someone needs to hear this today. Don't let anyone steal your joy, because Jesus died to give you joy, and the very thing that you need to make it through this overwhelmingness is the joy of the Lord that gives you strength. That even though that person is making free will choices, and I, I hate that they're doing it, they are not going to steal my joy. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And I'm going to rejoice in Him, and I'm going to sing His praises and tell of His praises until something changes in my life. Because the problem might not be theirs, it might be yours. And so God, do something in, in my life, Lord. 
Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Where did it go? I used to have such joy and such passion for Jesus. Where did it go? What did you do with it? Why did you take your eyes off of him? He didn't change. You need to get back to the camp and get your, get, get, get your joy back. And if you can't find joy in what's going on here at Hope Assembly, you're not looking close enough. And I think one of the appealing things that I'm hearing about our church from some of the new people that have come is they feel at home and there seems to be a lot of joy here. And you know what there is? It's a joy to be a part of this. It's a joy to see those children come forward. It's a joy to see those youth. It's a joy to have the seniors gather. It's a joy to see the Sunday school classes. People are learning about the Word of God. It's a joy to have people working behind the scenes. It's a joy. The other week I had to stop the online service and yell out the, the door because the kids were screaming. Uh, it was only because it was a distraction to me. But my heart was, thank God we've got children screaming in church. I don't want them running around the pews while I'm preaching. But thank God we have a church where children come, can come and be children. Thank God when we give missions offerings, we support 60 different missionaries. Thank God every part of our building has been improved upon. If you can't find joy, that might be a, a you problem. And it's time to take it back. Take it back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get joy. <laughs> if it kills me, I'm going to get joy. I'm going to love you. But that's the next thing. How about your passion for people? We can become very jaded, especially the longer we've lived, because we've seen so much. And we can begin to look suspiciously at everyone. And that doesn't mean be stupid. Sorry, I'm running short on time. I get more blunt. doesn't mean to be stupid. Okay? I love the people that, you know, through COVID, or, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Through a lot of things, they'll say, well, I'm just trusting in God. Good. Did you lock your car? Well, yeah, I locked my car. Well, why don't you apply it to the same thing? You're just using God's name to apply your opinion. Do you lock your house when you leave? Well, of course. Well, again, don't, don't do all that. Instead, look beyond the outward circumstances and love that person for who they are. They might be an Egyptian that was working with the Amalekites. Love. Love. Take it back. Give your hurt to God. Give your cynicism because of hurt to God. Give your bad experiences to God and take back the love that he's given you for him and for others. And lastly, you've got to hold on to hope because our best days are always before us. Our best days. We don't live, we don't live as people say, oh, this situation's hopeless. Nope. That word should never come out of your mouth as a believer. 
take it back. Oh, if I could take back some of the things I've said, like that thing about the wives. I wish I could take that back now. But one thing that I never want to let out of my mouth is this situation is hopeless because there's always hope in Jesus Christ. And maybe you've been so overwhelmed. And listen, I'm going to start closing. Maybe you've been so overwhelmed by everything that's happening in your life, you've, you've lost a little bit of hope. Get it back. Mourn. Mourn the circumstances that have caused you pain. Get to God. Help someone else. And take back what Jesus has won for you on the cross. Peace, joy, love, hope, and so many other things. Because we've all been overwhelmed. But we can all find strength in the same place. In the Lord our God. Don't worry about the why. Get, get to the who. And his name is Jesus. And he loves you. And he's with you. And he will carry you through. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.